Hi, everyone. This is Denise Brown, your host of Your Caregiving Journey, a talk show that helps you as you help family members and friends. It is Wednesday. It is April 11th. It's a little after 11 a.m. Central Time, and we're live out of Chicago. I'm just bringing our guest on, so bear with me as I dial. Cindy Thompson cares for her husband, and she is in the midst of creating a great collection of stories around dementia care. And I asked Cindy to join us today to talk about how she's used her personal caregiving experience to really make a difference in helping others. So good morning, Cindy. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Denise, and thank you for inviting me. So you've created a book that really is a collection of stories. What was the inspiration for your book? Um, basically what it was is uh, last November or so, um, I was attending support groups and even uh, some mug clubs where we would review and read books and, and um, about dementia and caregiving. And some of us got talking and we were like, wow, we're just not quite finding the books that we really want. We wanted the sharing. We wanted to learn from other caregivers. And so we got talking and we decided maybe we should just do our own book. And that's kind of where it all began. And I became the one who's compiling everything. And uh, they're, they're, they submitted. We actually have 37 submissions for the book and it's 240 pages. So how did you describe the type of submission that you're looking for? Um, basically, caregivers to um, give us their journey in their own words and any topic that they really wanted to talk about. I mean, it, it could go from diagnosis to how they feel to where they're headed. Um, it could be humorous. It could be whatever. It's just, you know, pouring their heart out, just basically told them, just sit down, write as if you're writing to a friend or something, an email. And that's pretty much what they all did. And um, so many said it felt so good when they were done, even though some are only two, three book pages long, but they got their point across. And it actually is a great collection. So you mentioned that you weren't reading the book around caregiving and dementia care that you wanted to read. And what was missing in those other books that you read? Um, I guess what it was, probably the variety. Um, we were getting books, and it would be one author. And so either you related or you didn't relate. Um, and some of them were written by medical professionals. And so we were feeling um, that they really didn't understand what we go through as caregivers. Um, many of them would say, you know, give us our do's and don'ts. And we would just kind of shake our heads like, wow, they just don't get it. It's not that easy. And especially since what works today might not work tomorrow type of thing. So just from these support groups, we get a lot of advice from each other and sharing. And so that's kind of what we were looking for to do in this book. And not only to help other caregivers, but also to help like family and friends, coworkers, and even employers understand the journey of a caregiver. You know, it's interesting. When I think about who supports us during our caregiving experience, it's another family caregiver. That's the best resource for us. 
And it's one of the reasons that I wanted to start the conference that happens in November is that it felt like going to a conference in the past around caregiving was listening to a medical professional telling us what he or she thought it was like for us or listening to researchers talk about something that isn't relatable to us. And I wanted to create an event where it was all of us getting together to talk about what it's like for us. And it's just like what you've created in your book. It's this idea that here's the reality. It's not sugar-coated. It's just what it is. Was there a a particular submission that struck you as really speaking to the reality of what it's like to care for someone with dementia? Oh, boy, it would be hard to pick one because we had so many. Um, um, I do say my favorite is the one that's called Dear Dementia, where um, the woman, um, she just went into talking to dementia, why did you pick us, Um why are you in our lives, um, that sort of thing. And everything she kind of wanted to say to dementia. So that, that to me was just really unique and, and different. And definitely I think all of us have said in our head. Um, but there is so many. So many are just, um, it's amazing the sharing that they did. Um, very intimate. And, um, but I do want to say that the book is not, a, um, it's not, not a, like a pity book as someone said. It's, it's really very uplifting, and um, it, it's just good sharing and support. And it, it's like I say, it's, it's not a downer book at all. Which, which um, a lonely journey is the title, so it sounds like it would be. But we all find once we find other caregivers and people that understand us, that it really is not so lonely anymore. So you took on this project. And I'm curious, have you published anything in the past? Um, I have not published a book in the past. Um, my um, career history, my experience has been um, I desktop publishing um, for various employers that I had, um, a lot of government employment I actually had. And um, so through that, I was very familiar with a lot of the processes um, and even the, the software and, and so on. So it wasn't really unique for me to go through this process at all. But it's been very interesting because um, I've been learning along the whole process as well. But, um, yeah, this is the, actually the first uh, published book. But uh, like I say, with the help of all the others that submitted, because I certainly could not have done this myself, I am just basically take credit as the one who compiled it. So what's interesting is I think what happens during a caregiving experience is you find yourself doing things you never thought you would do. And sometimes it feels like you find yourself doing things you wish you never had to do. And yet there are other times when it's like, wow, I can't believe I'm doing this. This is (laughs) awesome. And I would imagine that's kind of like the feeling you have around your book. It is pretty much right. It, it's um, kind of like, wow, how did I get to this point? But it was just a step-by-step. And um, I guess this feeling that I was helping these other, other caregivers as well as myself, it was just a very, very therapeutic process, I would really say, for all of us that were involved. And, and now starting in June, um, because June is um, Alzheimer's and uh, Brain Awareness Month, 
and the book will be coming out June 1st, is when we are going to start doing some um, panel discussions around the state of Wisconsin and haven't been invited outside of Wisconsin yet, but uh, in, in Wisconsin we'll be doing those. And uh, many of the authors are very excited about being on the panel and to just further share their journeys. And, of course, um, the book will be there available for sale. And it is on the, our website, too, by the way. Um, it's uh, $10 early sales going on right now, and that's just a flat $10, includes the shipping. And uh, that's on uh, www.journeypublish.com. You're in a caregiving situation right now, which means that time is limited for you, as well as patience. Let's face it. Right, so you're right. you're in the midst of a project that takes both time, patient, focus. You have to really be committed to getting it done. And during caregiving, it can feel really tough to commit that level of energy to another project. That's how true. <laughs> did you find? Yeah, so how did you do it? How have you found the time and energy? Well, one of the things is unfortunate when my husband. He really enjoys now. <laughs> he, he didn't hear it before, but he just sitting in front of the TV, and that is what he wants to do no matter how I try to entertain him or be his activity director. He is the most happiest in front of that TV, and he does um, he does sleep a lot. Um, I am told that, you know, because their brain needs that, so I try not to interfere. At first, I tried to prevent the nap so he would sleep at night. But then I had learned that, no, they need this to recharge. And I, and I found that is very true. So um, usually, you know, and I'm not a TV watcher, and I, I don't do naps during the day and so on. So I find while he's doing that, well, I might as well be doing something constructive, and so that's what I've been doing. And I, like I say, I find it to be very therapeutic to me as well. Right, because you are turning a situation that feels like it could be Difficult, I, you know. I want to say devastating. I don't want to over dramatize it, but it, in many ways, it's devastating. And you're taking a situation that it feels like it could really take the the best out of you, and you're turning it into giving back something that is the best of all of you. Mm-hmm. Right. I know um, a lot of the caregivers I talk to, it's like you never give up hope. I know, you know, things look bleak for the future or whatever, but it's like you never give up hope and you're hoping, you know, that that uh, cure is going to come or whatever, you know. But um, and, and I just find, like I say, the humor, staying upbeat, it's so necessary. Because if you get down, boy, everything kind of crumbles and falls apart. So we've been talking about your husband. We've been talking about his diagnosis of dementia. What's his specific diagnosis? Well, currently it is the AM, the FTD, the front temporal, um, which um, makes so much more sense than some of the earlier diagnoses that they had made on him. So I think we're finally where we should be and kind of where I thought originally we should be, but um, you got to go with what the doctors think. Last night, I was able to have dinner with Sharon Hall. She cares for her husband who has FTD. And the Association of um, FTD has its conference here in Chicago by where I live. So I was able to connect with Sharon, her friend, 
and her husband. Sharon has a really nice friend that travels with her and her husband. And over dinner, we were talking about the road to diagnosis, and particularly with a disease process like FTD. And I had asked Sharon, what typically is the wrong diagnosis in this situation? And she said it's bipolar or depression. And I'm just curious, what was the road to diagnosis like for you? Okay, yeah, that sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they started out, yes, um, some of the doctoring started out with um, mental illness. And after about a year and a half of that in and out of hospitals and more and more medications, we were up to 22 pills. I forget how many medications that actually was, but 22 pills a day to be taken at five different intervals throughout the day. Um, and then I, he was walking with a walker, crawling on his hands and knees, falling out of bed. I mean, things would get worse and worse. There was just no muscle tone left to this man who used to be <laughs> six foot three and 200 pounds and uh, strong as an ox, basically. And, um, yeah, he just was down to nothing. And like I say, walking with the walker. And uh, had him going to the hospital to see if they could take something away. And they sent him home with three more medications. And that's when I'm like, okay, this is enough of this. Because there was just nothing, you know, no place to go anymore, really, it seemed. And so I started taking the medications away, which I don't, I don't advise anyone else to do that by any, any chance. But, um, and he, he got better. I forget how many months it took, probably four months or something. And he was back to driving eventually. And so, you know, Walker... He has no recollection of this whole area, this whole time. Um, he doesn't remember using a walker or anything that sometimes will pop up, you know. And um, so, yeah, it, it was really tough. And we took him to Mayo Clinic, um, which at first I was denied. And then I appealed. And a year later, they got us in, you know, triage, and you get to the top of the list. And we went thinking it was going to be like a one-hour appointment or something. So we went on Sunday night, stayed overnight, um, and um, we went in. There was four hours with a doctor who acted as if he had nothing else to do but to talk to us that day, and it was wonderful. Wow. And then at the end, he said, I now want you to see so-and-so the next day. And this went on for the whole week. We ended up spending six days, and uh, it, it was great. Um and then to finally really get a diagnosis at that time, it was uh, early onset dementia, NOS, not otherwise specified. So that was such a relief to get that, um, I mean, compared to what they were doing. But I was frustrated because the doctors there at Mayo Clinic told me some of the medications he went on um, really are bad for anyone who has had dementia. So I can't help but wonder how much more damage was maybe done by some of that medication. And, wow. Um, yeah, and then he did, um, let's see, then they put him on Erisa and um, Namenda, and he had reaction to Erisa. He had nightmares. So after three days, that was just, from what I understand now, is really a good thing. So I guess that Erisa is not good for someone with FTD, is my understanding. So he just has the Namenda, basically. So I I want to couch our conversation that's going to happen next, which is we would not recommend that anybody takes their carry-off medications without consulting the doctor. 
Except I want to ask you, I want to ask you about that moment when you decided no more. He's going off this. Do you remember where you were? Oh, and yeah. What was it that put you over the edge where you said no more? I sure do. <laughs> oh man, I was standing in her bedroom, you know. But um, yeah, it was just like because the, the, the what is left? I mean, he he can't function. He can't do anything. He has a walker to get anywhere. The man is fifty six years old. <laughs> You know, and it, it was just very frustrating. And, and when you're not getting any help from the doctors locally, we actually saw eight doctors in our area before we got to Mayo Clinic. And um, so, yeah, it, like I say, it wasn't a good idea. And our physician said, I really can't do it because they're specialists. And uh, he tried to help someone, I guess, in the past, and there were some issues. So. He said, but, you know, he was he was fully behind me, but he said, I, I, I can't do it, nor was he really recommending that I do it as well. I want to point that out. But uh, it was something I was just, you know, you throw your hands up in the air, and you're like, how much worse can this get? And, um, but, you know, for me, I guess in the end, it kind of ended up to be okay. And like I said, I was very thankful for, for Mayo Clinic to be able to kind of get everything at the right diagnosis at that time. But I hear this is very common to go through that process of mental illness, um, Alzheimer's, and then maybe, you know, possibly FTD at the end. So I'm just curious. Again, we are not recommending that anyone do this. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm just curious about this. So did you just say no more? I am not giving any more dosages. That's it. He had his last oh, dosage well, of all these. Yeah, I did ahead. not do cold turkey, but it was just kind of okay. weaning him off. Yeah, yeah, it was a lean off thing, yeah. Okay. I did a program with someone years ago, and she talked about her mom really being prescribed medications and then prescribed more medications for the side effect of the medications that she had been prescribed. And her and journey exactly. to take her mom, is that what happened with your husband? Yeah, that's exactly it what it was. Side effect, side effect, side effect, yeah. Anyway, go on and Right. No. So then, before you know it, you are taking this massive amount of magic medications, and she just thought, you know, there's there's something wrong here, and it did take her a while to find someone that would help her take her mother off the medications, and then mm-hmm. when she did, her mother was much better. So I find right. it fascinating. I find it fascinating that our healthcare system is is quick to put you on. But resistant to take you off, right? Yeah, and that's when I learned to speak up to doctors. I guess before, you know, I always trusted in my doctors, and you know, well, this must be the best. That's what they're suggesting, and this is what they feel should happen. But um, yeah, at that point is when I started questioning my doctors. So they must have been saying, "The best that we can do is give you this medication." Right. Yeah, and even when they were trying to take him off some of the medication, he had to be in the hospital for a whole week while they made adjustments, only to have right. him sent home with three more bottles. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Okay, so you have had an education not only in prescriptions, but the diagnostic diagnostic process and communicating effectively with doctors. So if we have a listener to our show today who is going through this process of trying to find out 
what is wrong with a family member? What suggestions would you offer to help them during the journey toward a disease, a, a diagnosis? Oh, boy. That's, that's, um, yeah, I don't, I hardly ever hear anyone that said it was an easy process. Um, you have to hang in there. Um, you have to be an extreme advocate for them. Um, boy, um, I, I documented things. That kind of, I think, seemed to help get us into Mayo Clinic. I sent them a list of things I had documented when I did my appeal, and that seemed to help. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess that's about all I can think of. It's, it's a hard process. It really is. I love the suggestion of documenting. I think that's brilliant. And what you can do is document what you've done and then what your carry is doing. So here's what's happening. Here's what we've tried. Here's what's not working. Documentation of really the frustration, which becomes the story of, you know, there's something wrong here and we need to figure it out. I just happened to think of one other thing I did too. Um, I made a spreadsheet. <laughs> so you have all the medications, and then I listed all their side effects according to what I could find on the Internet, and then I highlighted all his side effects, you know, by column. And that's another thing that I had shown the doctors as well. So you could prove these medications are not working. Yeah, and I think just something about seeing that chart I had made, I think kind of, you know, more of a visual for the doctor instead of me just citing things. And it yeah. seems to be a little bit better for the doctor. But. Yeah, and you know you're giving me another idea, which is to actually document the decline of a, of your caree. So what mm-hmm. your caree looked like, this photo of who he was and yeah. then who he is now because of what's going on. Yeah, and, and and I did do that too. I actually had I had photos. <laughs> yeah, we're all thinking on the same line there, but yeah, it's it's amazing what you have to do. Think out of the box, right? Well, it's it's in one regard, it's frustrating that you can't just say to a doctor, "This is what's going on," and the doctor say, "Okay." It's frustrating that you have to yeah. bring this documentation <laughs> to show it's not in my yeah. head. I am not imagining this. I am not overreacting. I am not creating this. This is this is our reality, and it's not right. Although I have to say, maybe in some respects, maybe that is good. That did you need a little more than that? Um, I'm just thinking that because I I always have to laugh because when a lot of times when I go with appointments to my house, especially seeing a new doctor or something, they'll say, "Well, it's her. She needs your help." <laughs> So it's it's kind of cute. <laughs> I'm I'm so used to it that I expect it, you know. So, but wow. So when did you finally get the correct diagnosis? Um, just about two months ago. So. Okay, yeah, very, so this is very recent. recent. Where you? What has it been like for you to have the correct diagnosis? Oh, I personally feel a lot of relief. Um, I know now where I'm headed, and it all makes so much more sense to me because when I was with the Alzheimer's support support groups or reading that type of book, I was just like, wow, that's not really him. And I would feel like, well, maybe we're just not that far along in our journey or something. But then when I started looking into the FTD again, which I did way back originally, 
um, I'm like, wow, he just fits that checklist to the T, and they have him reevaluated. And it's so odd to think that a diagnosis makes your life better, and yet it does because it's the answer. No, I appreciate it's not the answer that we want, and yet it's the answer to what's wrong, what's going on, what's happening. Yeah, that's true. And it's, it's the answer that then helps us focus on, okay, now that we know, where do we go from here? Right, that helps a lot. Now we can get in the so, right direction, like I will be attending that FTD conference this weekend myself. And, you know, and I'm, I'm meeting um, next Tuesday someone else in the area who has a, a spouse with FTD. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really going to get some connections and, like I say, learn a lot more again. Right. That's that's what the diagnosis gives you. It's the connection to others in a similar situation, which are the best resource. So it's interesting that you went to an Alzheimer's support group and left feeling in essence, I'm not I'm not matching up here. Right. Yeah, and and I when you talk to some to the group. Yeah. Oh, did you? And what did they say? Uh, well, you know, but I also added, well, maybe we're just not that far along yet, you know, and, and you know, nobody really knew because they don't know my husband or anything. But um, so, yeah, I mean, it was hard for them to judge. But, yeah, I, I did express that in, in the group. I was getting, you know, good information and so on, but just not for my specific situation. Yeah, I think that's interesting that you felt it wasn't a fit. Not that the support wasn't good. It just wasn't a fit given what was going on in your life at that point. Right. Because yeah. with the FTD, I'm finding moodiness is in there. And with the group support group I was in, they didn't seem to be having that issue with, you know, with the moodiness. So that was just a big thing for me. Yeah, and you'd want to talk to someone else who's experiencing that to see how are they coping. Yeah, that's true. What, yeah. When you and your husband heard the diagnosis, what was it like for him? Um, he still is in denial um, um, that anything. I, I think he does know because he, has, he doesn't put up a fight going to the doctor appointments or taking the medication. Um, so I think in some ways he kind of knows. Um, yeah, it, like I say, it was it was just basically has been denial. Um, but in, in, in certain situations, I can tell he, he does. But yet, you know, it's hard to say. <laughs> but yeah, he, he, he pretty much is in denial about, about the whole situation. But. Does his denial shut down conversations around the diagnosis? Um, pretty much, yeah, pretty much. I, I would love for him to go to the FTD conference this weekend, and he was going to. And um, now, so far, unless he changes his mind, um, he decided, after all, he isn't going to. So my mother looks like will be taking his place because she helps me with him. So it will be a good, good uh, information for her as well then. So he was thinking about it, and then he decided, it sounds like maybe he decided, I'm not ready. 
yeah, that could, that could be. But I think it would be great because they have uh, some of the sessions just geared right, you know, for the person with the STD. So I think it would be a, a good experience for him. But And then he would, I feel, you know, like I say, very beneficial. And he wouldn't feel so alone himself because I'm sure he's got to feel somewhat alone. Yeah, and that he's the only one. Right. So at the conference, he would connect to others with the same diagnosis and see. Ah. Yeah, we did. Um, how much I, I don't know how much I should share, but we did have a conversation this weekend about. Um, he said to me, just out of the clear blue sky, he said, "Why do you want me to have this dementia?" And I told him, "I don't want you to, you know, but it's what you know we're we're being told and so on." So. So it was interesting how he felt maybe I just want him to have this. So and and it seemed like when we talked a little bit about that how I don't want him to, you know, but it is what it is. Seemed like he was content with that. So I guess it was a good thing to say. Yeah, it's I think it's interesting how you both can be sharing the same experience and have completely different perspectives on it. Yes, it is. And then make the assumptions around the perspectives, but not talk about it, not say it out loud. <laughs> yeah. And that's who we are as human beings, right? We observe, right. we decide, and then we just keep going on with this decision about how someone else might feel or think about a situation. So that was fast. We're out of our 30 minutes, if you can believe it. So, Cindy, I'd love for you to remind our listeners what your website address is, what the name of the book, and when the book will be available. Okay. Um, the book is called A Lonely Journey, and uh, you can go to the website www.journeypublish.com. And right now you can order the book um, online. We're doing just a flat fee of $10. There's early sales, shipping is included. But um, physically, it will be available on June 1st. And you can connect with Cindy at our National Caregiving Conference on November 9th and 10th. Cindy's one of our sponsors, and she also is going to be part of our panel discussion around the road to the diagnosis, sharing more of her tips and insights about how to get the right, the correct diagnosis. Cindy, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, thank you so much, Denise, and appreciate all your work with caregiving.com. Thanks, everybody, so much for listening. I'm Denise Brown. Be sure to stop by caregiving.com. Let us know how you're doing because we do always love to know. Take care. Bye-bye.